Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Well, we are super happy to be here. It's good to see um, people that we know. Obviously, there's people we don't know as well. So maybe we'll, we're, we're, we're so committed, we're going to just spend one day with each of you. If we've never met you, we're going to stay here until we know all of you. No, we're not, we're not going to do that. But we wish that we could, but we're not going to overpromise and underdeliver today. Um, I just want to say one thing that I thought it was so exciting to come in to worship and see pretty much everyone um, except Leonard and Marilee that was on the worship team. When I was here, they were either in youth group or kids ministry. And they're up here leading the way. And I just think that that is so amazing. So well done, guys. You're doing just amazing. So we'll, we're, we're going to jump into the sermon. And we're talking about community. And we realize you guys are in the middle of uh, talking about serving this month. And so we, th- we think it'll tie in. And um, it'll be good. So, Stephanie. Okay, well, I'm going to uh, jump right in this morning to reading Romans chapter 12 which Dan just knew without me even telling him, right? Romans 12. And I'm going to read through some of this chapter, and I want to talk today a little bit about um, the issue of how our giftings work in community. And that is a really important concept for each of us to be aware of, not only because it brings blessing, but because it actually brings tension into the community of a local church. And that tension we're going to learn today is something God has actually designed to bring strength. You know, my arm can only go like this because I have a set of muscles that work against one another. They're called antagonistic muscles or opposing muscles that when one muscle contracts, the other one extends And it's the opposing work of the muscles in my body that create tension, which creates strength, which creates movement. And God has actually ordained that same principle at work in the body of Christ. And when we realize that it's present and we realize that it's active, we can work with that tension to create strength and movement in our church community. So let's look at this. This is Romans chapter 12, and I'm starting in verse 3. Paul says this, For I say, I read this the other day, and it just struck me that Paul sounds like an English person. For I say, (laughs) for I say, through the grace given to me, through the grace given to me, ministry comes through grace, to everyone who is among you, everyone, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but not all mem- but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. I'm going to read verse 4 again. For as we have many members in one body, but not all members have the same function. I need three volunteers. I will have Bill, Marilee, and um, Alex. Why don't you come on up? 
So let's imagine that uh, these three things here. There's a file, a hammer, yes. and a nail. Come over here. Make a nice straight line and stand here facing everybody. Now, let's imagine that these three uh, tools are working together to build a coffee table. Now, all of a sudden, magically, they come to life and they're animated cartoon characters in the Disney... There you go. Now, let's imagine the hammer can talk and the hammer begins to say something. You just act out. Just mime what I'm saying. I am the best of the three of you. And when they really need to get things done, they bring me in because I know how to really get things moving. Yes, I just use my strength and my power and my hammerness and I get things moving. But then the nail comes along and the nail says, what are you talking about? Without me, nothing would hold together anyway. I'm the one that holds all this thing together. And even the Bible says that all things are held together in Christ. So I am the most Christ-like. And the hammer says, what are you talking about? The Lord says to Israel through the prophets, you are my hammer, my weapon for war. And with you, I'll break open the nations. I am the one that's most like God. And then the file comes along and says, guys, everyone just needs to calm down. I am the one that smooths things out. Let's just be patient about this. The Lord is patient. We just want to slowly round things out. Let's everybody be quiet. And then, all of a sudden, instead of working together to build a coffee table, they begin to attack one another. I'm better than you. You're doing it wrong. No, my way is the best way. Give them a clap. It's, it's humorous when we think about it in those terms. It's not so humorous when that shows up in our community. <laughs> because God made us to function differently. Differently, but together. Let's read on. Verse 5. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing. We have different gifts. Okay? According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And then Paul mentions seven gifts. Some people call them the motivational gifts. And when I think about these gifts, I understand it in terms of God has created a seven kind of motivational ways of functioning that when we come into Christ, he takes the core of who we are, of how he's designed us to be, and we find ourselves motivated to serve within a certain paradigm. And most of us will find that we have one or two of these that really operate inside of us at the core of our being. Let's read this through. According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And here's the seven gifts. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, that word, word is translated helps as well. Let us use it in our ministering. For he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation or encouragement, he who gives with all liberality generously, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I am going to help you because after this moment, something will change in your life forever. Are you ready for this? From this moment on, you will always remember the motivational gifts from Romans chapter 12. They are going to be indelibly marked within your brain. Are you ready? 
I have come up with a way of remembering these that I made up myself. Okay? I just want you to imagine a nice teacup and a nice saucer. And inside the teacup is the following. Phlegm tea. P-H-L-E-M-G-T. Phlegm tea. Gross, right? This will help you remember. Now, I need seven volunteers. I have you two. I have you two. I have Leonard. Come on up. Just stand in a nice straight line. Alex, we'll have you again and the boy next to you. Nice straight line. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so we are going to remember this, and I am going to show you how this works. P, prophecy, hearing God's voice. L, leadership. E, oh, exhortation, encouragement. You're going to cheer people on. Mercy. Oh, you're okay. You can put a nice blankie around it. P, H. Oh, no, wrong one. Sorry. P, H. L, E, M, giving. And I need a Bible. Can I worry this? Teaching. Okay, so... The Lord has made the body of Christ, the community of Christ, that we find ourselves functioning in, in these ways. And so, for example, let's imagine that I'm, I'm coming along and I have my bottle of water. And as I come, come in with my bottle of water, all of a sudden I spill it on the floor. Oh, no. And we might find that as we're functioning in our motivational giftings, that we all have a very different response to this event you know, the person, you can put your headphones on, the person who has more of a prophetic gift, a prophetic calling, will sometimes have a tendency to see a natural event or something in church life and think, is the Lord speaking through this? Could that have been a God thing? Yes, I'm feeling that the Lord is saying, as the water has been poured on the floor, so the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out on this house. Now the helps person, their first response is going to be to clean it up, grab a mop, be practical. Let's help with this problem. We'll come back to you in a minute. The exhortation person, the encouragement person is going to say, don't worry, I know we can get this cleaned up. And don't worry, I know that you can carry water. It's okay, we're a carrying water kind of church. Come on guys, don't lose heart. That's me by the way. The the mercy person is, oh my goodness, do you, do you, do you feel embarrassed? I, am so, I know what it's like to feel that way. And I just, I want you to know that I feel your pain. And some people laughed at you. I think they're horrible. You know? <laughs> and, the, and the giving person, don't worry, I've got, I'm gonna, I've already bought you a new Bottle of water. I'm buying new carpet because wet carpet is bad carpet. Now they're going to want to bring what they have, whether it's money, time, the responses to give, and the teaching person. Well, you know, Stephanie, I just, um, I just noticed that you were actually walking really quickly. And there's some scriptures about being patient, walking circumspectly. Um, and, and, and really just, you know, God is circumspect 
And actually, I have another little pamphlet in my back pocket here I picked up about carrying water and the steps to doing that in the right way, you know. Now, the trouble is when the Spirit of God is moving in the church and we're moving in unity, this works really well. The problem happens when the spirit of accusation comes. And the spirit of accusation comes like this. Leonard is so mean. Stephanie felt really bad. And Leonard just came and tried to make her feel worse by saying all of these horrible things. I hate Leonard. He's so horrible. And then the giving person is like, you know what? It's all very well with you, what God's saying. Why don't you put some money in the offering for heaven's sake? Come on. And the the person over here, the, oh, oh, leadership. Sorry, I forgot about him. The, The person with a gift of leadership will tend to want to lead out and have an awareness that all these things are needed. A person with a leadership gift will have a tendency to want to make sure the whole job gets done. That's why he's got his clipboard here. So so going back, so the person with with the, the prophetic gift might be watching all of this going on, watching Alex going and cleaning up, and the prophetic person is thinking, you know, I I just think sometimes these people are so earthly and they're so focused on just the stuff. And I just feel like we just need to let it all go and just focus on God. And and meanwhile, the helps person is thinking, you are so lazy. You know, there you are in the corner. Who cares about what God's saying? Can you just help clean up? You know, and it goes on and on like this. And instead of realizing that God has ordained tensions and differences within community in the way that we're motivated to serve and actually benefiting from the strength. Like, wow, I'm really glad that Leonard thought to look up at what the Bible says about this and to bring a biblical perspective because I wasn't thinking about that. I was just thinking about cleaning it up. Like, wow, thank God for Leonard. And, and, and if the mercy person was like, you know, I realize that my, I'm always really thinking about how people feel. I'm really glad that Marilee's thinking about who's going to pay and who's going to give something into this. And, and the exhortation person is, I just believe that we can do everything. It's just so good. We're, we're going to get it right every time. But I'm really glad that Leonard is there, maybe helping us to realize when we're missing the mark. And he's bringing that kind of encouragement. And it's interesting. I'll just say this and I'll, I'll hand over to Scott. It says, let he who prophesies, prophesy according to their faith. That's a really big deal. If you have a prophetic gift, you have to stay in the bounds of your own faith. What do you really have faith to prophesy? And don't go beyond that. It says, let he who helps, help well. You know, go for it. If you have a helps gift, don't be lazy. Really give it to the church. He who leads, be diligent, work hard at it. He who um, encourages or exhorts with all exhortation, go for it, do it well. He who has a gift of mercy with cheerfulness. Because people who have a gift of mercy can tend to be weighed down by that. Because they tend to carry um, 
hurt feelings. Why everyone's being so mean, you know? No, God made you to feel and to love and to have compassion, but do it with cheerfulness. He who gives with generosity and he who teaches, teach well. And all of you will find you have a, a motivational gift in there and it's normally one is stronger and there's an, another one in there too. Some people, some people kind of relate to a lot of them, but does everybody kind of see themselves in here somewhere? Okay, give these guys a clap. Yeah, so talking about being in community with one another, we don't always know what that's going to look like, and we don't always necessarily get to choose um, the kind of people that we'll be put together with. Like, before I was saved, um, I made all my decisions based on looking after my own comfort and my own needs and my own preferences, and I picked my friends based on what suited me the most and, you know, what went along with where I was already at. I, like, I didn't pick friends based on, oh, this person's going to challenge me, this person's going to help me grow, this person's going to help me change. It was like people that are already exactly like me, right? But then I, I became a Christian, and everything got turned upside down. I was 20 years old, and there's this photograph of this really important day. It was the day that I was baptized, and there's Ken Norberg, who was the pastor of this church back then, and we're standing on the, on the shore of a lake, and there's Ken Norberg. It was the 13th anniversary picnic for uh, what, new, what is New Day Church. It used to have a different name back then, and um, so I am about 50 feet away from Ken Norberg, and he's addressing this crowd. And, um, and then on the other side of Ken Norberg was the other guy that was going to be baptized that day. And his name is Richard Roy. <laughs> and we were about 50 feet on either side of Ken. And, and I, we could ask Richard, but I think it's because we were like, who's that other person? Like, infringing on my baptism, you know? <laughs> and because we didn't, I had not met Richard till that morning. And then, uh, but we became really close friends over the years. And one time Richard said, so what did you think of me on the day that you met me, on the day that we got baptized? And I said, well, I don't know. And he said, well, I'll tell you what I thought of you. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, who's, who's this hippie? Because I had long hair, you know, who's this hippie? Like, he's not going to make it. Like, he'll be in and out of this church so fast. And <laughs> And I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what I thought of you. <laughs> I was like, who is this weird guy coming up to me? Like, he came up to me like, so, we're getting baptized today, right? And I was like, who is this? But anyway, um, like, looking back at, at the people that I became close friends with, like Richard Roy, Greg Miller, and I could name a whole bunch of people, um, they were not the people that I was already like. So, in other words... I wouldn't have chosen them to be my friends. I wouldn't have chosen to be in community with them. But something happens when we enter into the kingdom and when we are a part of the church. And Peter writes in his, his first letter that God is placing us side by side as living stones 
to build a house of worship uh, for the Lord. He's the God is placing us next to people, and I started to experience growth because of the people that were around me that I never would have experienced because I was like a hippie type person, and you know, so I meet Greg Miller. I'm just picking these two guys just to just to have a, a shorten the list of examples, but. Greg was really sporty. Um, he was just—he was just getting married to Carrie. Like marriage wasn't on my mind. I thought it was weird that everyone in the church was married and having kids. I was like, "What is?" I said to Ken one day, "Like everyone in the church is married," and he said, "He said, yeah, that's what people do. Like that's normal." And I was just like, "Oh wow, yeah." Um, Greg was really into sports, and he was like studying all the time to become a nurse he was like focused that that was not who i was right richard roy was well he was richard roy back then (laughs) 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 you know he was uh working at pizza hut and he was he was off in another direction and it's like but looking at how these people impacted my life and one of the one of the stories that I i reflect on the most is how um I, I used to have intense anxiety and fear about a whole bunch of things. And one day, I had this experience, and I thought, you know, I've never talked about this because it's so embarrassing. And I got home. I was living with Richard at the time, and I think my cousin. And I thought, I'm going to tell Richard what happened. I was in Meyer, and the security guards were running at me, and I thought that I was going to be arrested and falsely accused for stealing things. But it turns out that the bad guy was right, just right behind me. So, um, so I shared this with Richard, and he said, what? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> and, um, but when he said it, it actually broke off that anxiety. And I never felt that way again. Right? And we, we talk about growing closer to God and... You know, and, and maybe some of us are, know what inner healing is and how we can have powerful experiences in the presence of God. But guess what? We're, God places us in a community, and, and here comes Richard Roy, and he wasn't, he wasn't thinking spiritual thoughts, I don't think, at that moment. But he, he is in Christ, and Christ is in him, and he spoke words that brought life to me. And, and I think about those, those things. I think about those times. And so when we're in community, we're giving something to one another, right? And then a few years later, something happened <clears throat> that kind of challenged that little bubble mentality that I had, like, before I was saved. And it broadened it out even more. And the pastor asked someone to get up and share at an evening service. And I had seen this guy around. He was... He was older than me. He had kids. He had a family. And he shared how his family had been in the church for about a year. And they had reached out um, and tried to build relationship and tried to have people over to their house. But that no one had invited them over to their house in the whole year that they'd been here. And they'd been working hard to build relationships. And then the pastor, I think it was Ken that, that said it. It might have been Cameron. He said, you know, I think that we see ourselves as a warm and welcoming place, but maybe we're not. 
because maybe we're just good at being warm and welcoming to the people we're already friends with. And, um, and kind of made this big point about that. And, and it totally challenged me. It challenged the whole church. And I think, it, I think that it changed. That was a starting point of a shift that happened. Um, but something in me changed where it was like, I realized, like, yeah, I always gravitate towards the people I already feel comfortable with. But I don't want, and, and sometimes that's okay, but I just remember thinking, you know, I don't want that to be the only script that I can run off of. That how will, how will new people ever find a place in the body? How will they find a place in community? Like, do I, and I, and I could see myself doing it. And, some, and there'd be these Sundays where I'd be like, okay, yeah, there's new people over there. I really should go say hi. But, oh, you know, here's this person. I want to talk to them instead. And, um, but that, that started to change in me, and I started to get a vision for what it means to reach out and to connect with people of all types. And, and of course, building community takes a long time. And, and I, when I look back at my time in the church, I lived here... I was a part of this church for like maybe 17 years or 16 years. And my experience at month one was way different than year one or year five or year 10 or year 15. And things change. And I mean, someone came up to me a few years ago who was uh, attending our church uh, in South Carolina. And he let me know that, that he and his wife were going to leave the church because they thought it was really inhospitable. And, and so I was asking him, well, what, what was your experience like? And he said, well, I've been here six months, and I only have one friend. And I, was, I thought, well, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> like, if you found a one friend in six months, like, I mean, just that based on what I would expect, that it takes a long time to make a friend, you know, when you're in your 30s, 40s, or 20s, you know, I think the younger you are, the, the quicker you tend to make friends. And, I, and he told me the whole story of his experience, and I thought, well, I think, I think you're doing really well. Like, I, I would encourage you to, to just keep coming along, and, and things will just grow, and they'll get better. And, and, but he didn't. But it takes a long time. And when I look at, like Bill said, we, we planted the church eight years ago, and, and I knew it's not going to feel like the home that I left for a long time. But every year, it's like I was taking soundings, you know, like how, how deep is the water now? And I was like, you know what, this feels more like home than it's ever felt. It still doesn't feel like the home that I left. But it's feeling more like home. And then another six months would go by, and I'd think, you know what, this feels more like home than it's ever felt. And it just grows and grows and grows as we stay in that place. So but I'm talking about this, and, and part of it is that I want us to see the, that being in that situation, surrounded by people, um, being in community, has a spiritual significance. It's not accidental, um, but God's hand is in it, and he blesses it. When we throw ourselves into that place, and we, and we say yes to him, he blesses it. He blesses community. He blesses our efforts. He blesses our actions. 
And, you know, the Bible starts with a story of intimacy and community, right? God blowing, breathing the breath of life into Adam. And then a little bit later, God says, it's not good for him to be alone. And so he grabs a rib, makes a woman, and then he says, go forth and multiply. Right? That's how this began. And then when we go to the end of the story, we see in Revelation um, people from every tribe and tongue worshiping the Lord all together. And, and God's intention is for community. Now, sometimes in the middle, some of us can find a hard time joining in. Or we, f- we find that there are certain difficulties that we have um, with people or certain people or all people. But I believe that as we, as if we just say yes in faith, and even if it's like, Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> I believe, but help my unbelief. That he's going to bless that and he's going to help us walk through. Because for me, being a really shy, introverted person, uh, when I came into the kingdom, it was really hard. And there were times when I actually would leave church on a Sunday morning and then I would turn around and come back. Like, I'd not leave in the middle of service. I'd leave at the end right away. And I would just, because I didn't know how to engage in conversation with all these people. And I would think, that, that felt awkward, so I'll avoid it. And then when I was away, I thought, but I'm really hungry for something. I don't know how to do it, but I'm just going to go back. And maybe I can talk to someone. And, um, and then God blessed that. Like, it was really hard to do, but God blesses that. Okay, when we minister to one another, so part of what we're doing when we're signing up for these positions is we're ministering to the Lord, but we're ministering to one another, and we're serving one another. And Jesus, in Matthew 25, makes it clear that when we minister to our brothers, that we're ministering to him, right? Because... Who is the temple of God now, or where is the temple of God? It's, it's in us, those that have received Christ. And so we are ministering, when we're taking care of one another, when we're serving one another, we're actually ministering to Jesus himself, right? Let's look at this. This is Matthew 25, um, starting in verse 36. I was naked and you clothed me. Oh, wait, we better back up. Sorry. That's 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. And so part of what we're doing is we are taking care of what is precious to Jesus. And when he says the least of these, I don't think that, that he's really talking like you should figure out who the least is. I think it means it's just everyone, even if, y- 
if there's someone that you think is the least, it means them too, right? Because sometimes we're having a bad moment or bad year, and we think that we know who's the least in the kingdom, right? Maybe you think it's you. Well, you're included, right? And um, so we're, we're at the time, but I just want to read uh, one more scripture here because I think serving and signing up and, and doing the stuff is, is amazing, but we, there's something that's below that, and it's having a heart that wants to serve one another. And I think that being hospitable to one another, inviting people into our homes, um, reaching out in that way is, is a foundational step that you know, helps our heart get in the right place to serve. So I want to look at Abraham real quick, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. But um, this was Abraham's response when some visitors came. And I, and I don't know if he knew who they were, but um, it says, um, this is uh, Genesis 18, verse 1. Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by and as much as you have come to your servant. And, um, but the, and then if you jump down a little bit further uh, to verse 6. So Abraham hurried into the tent and said, Quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, and gave it to a young man and hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. And what I want to highlight is Abraham's posture because Abraham was a wealthy man. He was an influential man. He was an important man. He was a man that God was speaking to. He's called the father of our faith. And, and I'm not sure if he knew exactly at this moment who had come to visit, but it says that he ran to meet them. He bowed himself down. He pleaded with them to stay and allow him to serve them. He took something costly and, and said, quickly prepare it. Everything is running quickly. Now do it. Everything is, is surrounding He's, he is sacrificing himself. He's pouring himself out to serve these others. And as they eat, he stands by. He's not joining in. He's not saying, help yourself to the fridge. He's standing by, awaiting and attending. And I think there's a posture of servanthood that we could learn from in our hospitality, that sometimes hospitality is totally inconvenient and costly. To reach out and say, you know what? I'm going to bless you. 
and I'm going to bow myself down in my heart. Like, don't bow down to, to people, you know. But I'm going to have that posture of humility, and I'm going to give you something that's costly. I'm not going to just, like, it's okay to have, say, hey, help yourself to the fridge. But sometimes it, we, need to, we need to step into something beyond that to minister to people. And when we do that, I believe when we're doing that within the body, we're ministering to Jesus. All right, let's stand up. I'm just going to read the last verse, uh, Romans 12, verse 9. I'm going to read these last couple of verses. Paul writes, let love be without hypocrisy. This is Romans 12, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. In other words, don't fake it. Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence. Don't be lazy about it. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints and given to hospitality. So Father, we want to pray today that... Um, you would give us the grace. It says at the beginning of this passage, by the grace that is given. God, we, we realize this doesn't come through trying harder, but it comes through the grace that is given to us. And I want to ask, Father, for a grace over this house to flow together in unity and to make you smile, Jesus. Let, let us find a way of serving you through the grace given to us, that we may make you smile as we serve in this house diligently, with energy, with cheerfulness, with honor, and with affection. And Father, I release a, a blessing of grace over this house in the name of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, and Lord, we say yes to you putting us in a community. We say yes to the people that you want to put us next to. And Lord, we give you permission to place us in people that will challenge us and impact us and comfort us and bless us and love on us and everything else, Lord. We say yes to you. Show us how to do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.